Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. He bills himself as the candidate ready to bring honest change to the state of Illinois. And in a crowded field of Democratic candidates for governor, Scott Drury is working hard to stand out. This weekend, you can hear how well he's doing. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this week is State Representative Scott Drury. He's one of several Democrats running for the chance to unseat incumbent Republican Governor Bruce Rauner. He's been a member of the legislature for the last four years, representing the 58th District along the North Shore. Before that, he was a federal prosecutor. He has sponsored bills creating penalties for so-called revenge porn and trying to reduce the number of wrongful convictions. This year, he became the first Democrat in three decades not to vote for Michael Madigan as Speaker of the Illinois House. That is something he regularly cites in his campaign for governor. But he talks about a lot more than that, and we are going to talk with him about all of those things in this half hour. Scott Drury, welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, Well, all right, why give up a possible career fighting crime and corruption as an assistant U.S. attorney to enter the hotbed of politics, the Illinois General Assembly, and then why give that up to run for the highest office in the state? You know, it's been a a journey. When I was at the U.S. Attorney's Office, I was working on public corruption cases uh, and saw the worst of Illinois government across the desk for me sometimes and thought uh, and realized that maybe if we put better people into public office, we can get better results out of public office. And so that uh, that was the encouragement uh, in in the process I went through to run uh, for the the state house back in 2013 or 2012 when I ran. In the five years that I've been there, I've, I've had some, some great accomplishments. You mentioned some of them in the introduction in, in terms of my work on wrongful convictions and, and just other pro-people uh, legislation. But there's so much wrong with the state of Illinois. We all know it as citizens. And people feel that the state isn't working for them. It doesn't belong to them. It belongs to politicians. And I realized that, too, as someone in the state house, and came to the conclusion that to change that, we need to have a change of culture in the state of Illinois where where the culture is that government should work for the people, government should be trusted, government should be something that 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 promotes good ideas, and we and so I want to change the perception of the state of Illinois into into a positive perception, and and that's what's uh, spawned this candidacy. Well, you're in a primary race with a billionaire, J.B. Pritzker, a millionaire with historic name recognition, that would be Chris Kennedy, and an experienced state senator, among other candidates. So how do you draw the kind of support and money that you need to uh, prevail in that kind of a field? Well, when you look at this race, right, you, you, have, you have those candidates that are running. And what I have is the, the message and the background and the history that the public wants uh, as their governor and in their state government. Uh, Illinois people, the, the public is frustrated. It doesn't matter if you're in Chicago, in the suburbs, downstate, they're frustrated, and they're, they're not just frustrated with Governor Rauner. They're frustrated with, with the Democratic Party. And I'm willing to not just talk about those frustrations, but I have a history of, of representing those people. I, I love it when, when I'm in my district and, and people come up to me 
And they say that they're just so proud to know that when they read in the newspaper that someone did something positive in Illinois and it says Scott Drury and then has a D in my, in my town name, to know that it's their representative, that they know at least one person is fighting for them. And, and we just want the whole state to know that there's somebody that's going to fight for the whole state and not just say it. Well, that's the honest change part of, uh, of your uh, campaign platform. But why should voters believe you when we've seen two governors, uh, recent governors, go to jail? Uh, and remember, Democrat Rob Lagojevich ran as a reformer. <laughs> I mean, I think people sometimes forget that. Right. But he talked about the corruption in, in, in government and said he was going to change that. So why should people believe it? Well, 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 talk is cheap. And I, I always say, you know, beware the fake reformer. You know, I, I came from, from the U.S. Attorney's Office. My career, uh, ironically, was bookended. I think it was two weeks after I started. Governor Ryan was indicted and left during, I, I think it was the second Blagojevich trial. And in between, I worked on, on my fair share of public corruption matters and, and other you know, criminal matters that matter to the state of Illinois. So that's one thing. But then when I got to the General Assembly, I didn't just stop and rest on my laurels of that's what I did in the past. I, I've taken actions that can show people that I'm different. It would be very easy to continuously just vote for Mike Madigan to be the Speaker of the House. Uh, Democrats have done it for 30 years. Uh, I didn't this year. And so the public, they can look at people who are saying a whole lot of things in these campaigns, but if, if they want to look for real change and for honest change, they have to look at who's backed up what they've said. And, and I'm confident when, when people do that analysis and they hear our message, they're going to say, this is the campaign that is really going to finally bring change to Illinois because he has a history of doing it, not just because he's saying it. And of course, uh, at least one of your opponents uh, brought this up uh, in a recent forum, but you did vote for Mike Madigan before this year. I did. Uh, you know, in my, in my first term, I voted for him and I thought, hey, look, I'm coming into the General Assembly. Uh, and I want to accomplish things, and I'm going to try to work through the channels of the General Assembly to get things done and make the changes that I want. And through the course of my career in the General Assembly, you realize that it can't be done that way. And so I came to the conclusion that, that a lot of people have come to, that Mike Madigan doesn't speak for me. He doesn't speak for my constituents. And so I stood up this year, and, and I didn't vote for him. And the, you know, the amazing thing is I'm not the only— I may have been the only person— who, who didn't vote for him, but I'm not the only person who feels that way on the Democratic side in the General Assembly. And that's the issue that we really need to talk about is if these other people exist out there, then why are they voting yes when their constituents want them to vote no? And what we've been able to accomplish this campaign and just as a representative of what I've been able to accomplish is I've opened up the door and I've made it okay to talk about these issues. Even in this, this gubernatorial debate, in a Democratic debate, we're talking about Mike Madigan and whether he should be the Speaker of the House and the problems with the Democratic Party. These things don't normally happen on the Democratic side in Illinois. Uh, how big a liability for the Democratic Party do you believe Mike Madigan is? I think it's a problem. I, I think when you, you look at somebody, he has statewide approval ratings of, uh, I think, you know, on a good day, 26 percent. We, we have to take that into account. It doesn't matter for him. He just runs in his district. And he's very popular in his district, and he will continue to win in his district. But Illinois voters are, are tired of, of the same old thing. In a lot of ways, Governor Rauner is in office because of Mike Madigan and failed policies of the Democrats. They, the, the voters quit on the Democratic Party 
in 2014. And some people can say, you know, Governor Quinn lost that race. It wasn't that that uh, Bruce Rauner won the race. And so I look at it like this. No one is perfect in politics. No party is perfect. But if we don't look inward at our own issues and talk about them and how we're going to fix them, then it is going to be difficult to convince the public that our party, our values are the right ones to lead the way. And we are going to uh, talk about some of those issues uh, about what the party can do. But uh, politically, Madigan is also a prolific fundraiser. Uh, He helps finance many Democratic campaigns. Aren't you and other Democrats going to need his help down the line? In terms of needing his help, I can say this. In 2014, since 2014, um, I have not taken any money from the Democratic Party. Uh, And it put me in a position to be an independent Democrat. It takes a lot of work. You know, it's much easier just, you know, to to live off your parents forever and stay in their house and, and not get a job. Uh, that's one way to live life. And the other way is to go out and make your own way. And that's, that's what I've done. And I've shown my colleagues and I've shown the public that it can be done just because it's easier to do something doesn't mean it's the right way to the right thing to do. Uh, let me, uh, ask about another Madigan since, uh, as we were, uh, preparing to record this interview, we got word that Lisa Madigan, the Illinois Attorney General, has decided she is not running for another term. Um, what What's your feeling about about her leaving uh, office? I I gather you don't feel equally about the two Madigans. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was. I, I I literally just heard it before I walked in here uh, today, and from. From my perspective, a couple of interesting things have happened today or within the last 24 hours. We heard that Barbara Flynn Curry, uh, the, you know, Madig- Mike Madigan's top lieutenant, is retiring. Uh, and then within hours of hearing that, we hear that, that Lisa Madigan is retiring. And it kind of feels like the Berlin Wall is coming down in Illinois. And that, you know, maybe this, this Democratic machine that, that's been there for 30 or 40 years and no one thought would ever crumble uh, is, is starting is starting to crumble. And the question is, is the public going to keep pushing forward or are we just going to be satisfied with, with where we're at? And, and I'm really happy to be part of, of that movement of saying, you know, we got to move the state forward. Now, this isn't speaking negatively or positively about, about any of the individual people, but this, is, this was the leadership structure in Illinois. And in one day, it all seems to be changing. Hmm. Uh, let's talk about some of the things that could or might change. On October 3rd, the uh, U.S. Supreme Court is expected to hear arguments on a case that could decide whether political gerrymandering continues. That's been a uh, an interesting issue here uh, because it is technically a bipartisan issue, but in terms of the fight, it has been Republican uh, lawmakers and leaders pushing for uh, what they call fair maps, and you can got all kinds of euphemisms for everything, uh, and Democrats. Uh, fighting against it, you've joined with a, with dozens of other current and former lawmakers urging the high court to outlaw the process. It, it, explain why that is. I am a believer in democracy and that you know voters should should pick their politicians, uh, not the other way around. And that's not my phrase. I, I believe President Obama used that in one of his State of the Union addresses. And I don't think it should just be like that in Illinois. Uh, the the case that's going to the Supreme Court were were Democrats coming at the Republicans in Wisconsin. 
So I, I'm actually part of, of, of that litigation in the sense that uh, I, I signed on as, as an amicus. And, and I'm proud to be the only Democrat in, the, in the, the House in Illinois that signed on. We need to have fair elections. If you have fair elections all over the state, everybody thinks there might be a challenger because the map isn't rigged uh, to get one candidate in or keep one candidate out. You're immediately going to get more accountable government because people are going to be scared that the voters may pick somebody else. Uh, and going back to my you know, analogy, just because it's easy doesn't mean it's right. When the map is, is weighed in your favor and the thumbs on the scale in your favor, you can be lazy. You don't have to represent your constituents because you're going to win anyway. That, that's not good government. But, but do you worry that uh, the, the political establishment, whether it be Republicans or Democrats, it's just whoever needs it, can figure out ways to still game the system. What all you can try to do is is do the best you can do. And so, you know, the, the there's been proposals. I have a proposal for independent maps in Illinois. There's there's nationwide proposals. I think just because you think there may be someone someday who can figure out a way to go underground and do something differently, it doesn't mean you don't try. In in the criminal context, right? There's always well, there's a likelihood that there will be some politician who thinks he can get away with something that he shouldn't get away with. And he's got the next, the best plan that no one's ever thought of. So should we just stop going after public corruption or should we stop fighting crime because someone's going to figure it out? I think we have to do the best we can do. If we think this is a good idea, we have to push that idea and not just say we're for it. We have to take actions, which I've done both by proposing constitutional amendments for fair maps and now putting my name uh, on a brief that's uh, been filed in the Supreme Court. Short of a Supreme Court decision outlawing uh, you know, political gerrymandering, what is it going to take to get this kind of effort over the over the finish line? It's going to take a legislative effort. We've learned that the petition process uh, is not the way to go. The Illinois Supreme Court uh, shot that down uh, a couple years ago when they had the signatures to get it on the ballot. So we now know that the path towards fair maps in Illinois is through the General Assembly. And I think part of that goes back to what is the culture at the top? Who's who's pushing for this and for what reasons? Uh, and, you know, our campaign is part of my campaign platform. And when the voters vote to put me into office, uh, they're going to speak loud and clear about what they want. And they're going to let and that's going to let their legislators know this is what the people want in Illinois. And it's going to be the the push that we need to get this done in the General Assembly and get it to the voters so they can vote on that amendment. Is it your experience that lawmakers in Springfield on issues like this, which is, involves self-preservation, that they do listen to their constituents? Well, they, they haven't, right? They haven't. And so how, how are we going to change that? It, you know, Illinois isn't really a democracy. Illinois has, has one person on the left, the Speaker of the House, who's making basically all of the decisions on the Democratic side. And now you have Governor Rauner on the right, who's terrified people with his money, making all the decisions on the right. So how do you break that logjam? You bring in someone who's, who's shown independence throughout his career. You bring in somebody who hasn't been shy about what he thinks needs to change. And you get those people. I said there are more people than just me who didn't want to vote for, for Mike Madigan to be, be the Speaker of the House. You give them an, an alternative path for them to take and still not be scared that they're going to lose their jobs or lose their independence. And, and they'll find out, like I found out, that they'll be rewarded. Uh, when you when you show independence and you, and you show a backbone, the public likes that. They, they don't dislike that. 
You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is State Representative Scott Drury. He is a Democratic candidate for governor. Um, we have been talking a lot about Democrats up to this point, uh, but presumably I would uh, think that you would find Governor Bruce Rauner, a Republican, um, even worse than the, <laughs> than the, the Democrats you've been talking about or any of your opponents. To me, I, I look at it this way. Illinois is completely broken. Uh, Governor Rauner has not helped that at all, and he's made it worse. He, he came into office uh, saying he was going to be a moderate, saying he didn't have an ideological agenda, and then he immediately threw that all away and said, I will, uh, I will help the state of Illinois if we just kind of get rid of the Democratic Party and, and everything they believe in and everyone who supports them. That wasn't the way to, to start that that conversation. And so... We need someone who is going to really be an independent and really push for reforms and push to redefine the perception of the state of Illinois. And that's what this campaign is going to do. And it's what Governor Rauner has just shown he's incapable of accomplishing. It's been a disaster for two and a half years. What do you think his major problem has been? Is it a philosophical one? Is it a tactical one? I think it's both. I think that, you know, he came out pretty early with this turnaround agenda. And I think when it started, it was 45 bullet points of what he wanted, all of which were issues that he probably wasn't going to get. There were a few of them. Uh, you know, he was talking about independent maps that was on there, but he pushed uh, to just go right after the core of the democratic party. And he also, you know, made it, made it very personal uh, that, you know, a person had to go for him to be able to accomplish anything in office. You know, my campaign is different. I'm willing to talk about Bruce Rauner. I'm willing to talk about Speaker Madigan. But I also understand that when I'm governor, there's there's a likelihood that Mike Madigan will be the Speaker of the House. And what I bring to the table is experience in, in the General Assembly of, of navigating how a bill becomes a law. And the governor had none of that experience and made some tactical missteps and he, he made some ideological missteps that, you know, he's firing his staff every day now trying to figure out who he is. Like we don't, we don't need someone like that again. We need someone to come into office who knows who he is and can start executing on that plan. Now, what would be your, your, your brain trust? Uh, you know, who would, who, what kind of people do you look toward uh, to help you through assuming you're not going to do all of this by yourself? Right. Uh, you know, you're, I'm going to look for the best people, you know, whether they, they work in, in, in think tanks, whether they've been in business, whether they're at social service providers. Uh, you know, I've come in contact with, with all, all groups of people in my job as, as a state representative, and I'm going to surround myself with, with the best thinkers. And it won't be that hard to do because they're going to know that for the first time in decades, they have the opportunity to make the changes that they've all been yearning for, that they've all been working for when they see their agencies or, or their issues not getting enough attention, even though everybody campaigns on that. That's not going to be this administration. Uh, we're going to, we're campaigning on some very uh, tough issues and we're going to work on accomplishing those issues. And that's how you find good people who want to work with you. One of those tough issues is, uh, is that of taxes. Uh, most of your democratic rivals support a progressive income tax where the rich pay more instead of a flat tax rate. Um, what do you find wrong with that idea? It's not that there's, there's something wrong with the idea. It's just that the idea is not the solution. 
you know, the progressive income tax, everyone throws that out there that it's going to solve all of our problems today, our pension problem, progressive income tax. We don't have enough money for social services, progressive income tax. Well, we don't have a progressive income tax in Illinois, and it takes a constitutional amendment to get one. So the earliest you're going to have one and have any money from it is 2021 or 2022, if, if you have it. I don't think Illinois has that much time to wait. So we need solutions today. It's okay to, to have the idea and work towards it, but I think it's disingenuous to tell the public that that's the solution when you know that that can't possibly be the solution. So what could be a solution, assuming that you feel that the state does need more revenue? Well, I think before, look, we just raised taxes, I think it's five five or six weeks ago now, and, and I voted for that uh, because the state was in a very precarious position and the governor and, and the Democrats couldn't uh, deliver a balanced budget for, for over two years. But I think we need to look at, at our debt. I think before we start saying, oh, we're going to take more from the public, we can say, why are we taking this money from the public to begin with? And you know, a quarter of our budget, $8 billion a year, is going just to pay our pension debt. And since 2013, there has been no real effort to try to address that issue. And if we don't show the public that we're fighting for them and we're making responsible decisions, it's hard to keep going back to that public and say, we need more from you. So our plan, which is Rebuild Illinois, uh, talks about dealing with the pension issue. And it's disappointing to me that, that this campaign is the only one talking about the pension issue. We don't deal with it. We are a dog chasing our tail. But what attempts there have been in the legislature to deal with the pension issue have uh, run into a brick wall at the Illinois Supreme Court. Uh, most of the attempts have involved trying to uh, limit or, or change benefits for people who have already earned them. But that's where all the money is, isn't it? Well, it, that's where a lot of it was, but the Supreme Court has said they were very clear. And, and I, even in, back in 2013, I said, let's get this issue to the Supreme Court. Win or lose, the benefit is they will come back with an opinion. And that opinion will tell us what we can and can't do. And so we can all stop pretending that we're constitutional scholars in the General Assembly, whether it's constitutional or not, and they'll just tell us, like, this is what you can do. And they've given us a very narrow window of options. We can't force anyone to take a reduced benefit. But what we can do is offer them options. We can offer uh, someone with a pension right now, we can say, do you want to take a cash buyout, uh, a lump sum payment of your pension? And you know, we believe that 25 to 35% of the people would take one of these options, which would reduce that debt load. We can commit to make the pension payments, right? That's what got us into this mess was the state government just didn't keep its, its promise. And even this year, after we did the tax increase, we passed a budget and the budget shorted the pension payment $500 million. That's not a balanced budget. That, that's a budget, if it's balanced at all, it's balanced on our kids and our grandkids' back. That's not the way to fix things. So we're talking about real solutions that can be implemented without taking a benefit away from a single person. But then, then does that mean somewhere else you have to cut? No. So what? So the way that the plan would work, and it's what we've laid out, is, is you offer people options out of the, out of the plan, uh, you commit to making the payments. And I believe that if we can show the public for the first time in four decades that we're serious about reforming pensions, and this is what we've done, this is what we're allowed to do, and we're doing it, then you can go back to the public and you can say, let's talk about reamortizing or refinancing the remainder of the debt. Get that money back into the system. We're talking, you know, five to $8 billion, the same amount as the tax increase raised. Put it into our public schools. 
put it into our communities, uh, put it into the healthcare system, and people will all of a sudden feel a lot better about the state of Illinois, and they'll say, and it will be good not just for the citizens of Illinois, but it'll, it'll be good for our perception throughout the country and world when people are looking to either move here or establish businesses here. Illinois, for the first time, will have a plan to move forward that provides stability and provides certainty. Um, let's talk about another element of, uh, of getting the economy back in shape, and that's attracting more jobs to the state and retaining the ones that are already here. Uh, what are your ideas? What, what different ideas do you have for doing that? Well, I, I think, again, when I, when I talk with business leaders throughout the state um, and talk with people who are leaving the state, there's the one thing that keeps coming up is just the total lack of certainty and stability in the state of Illinois. They have no idea what the state's plan is out of this mess. And then when they see a Republican governor who comes in who supposedly was going to fix it all and he just shuts the government down for two and a half years, they say, you guys are hopeless. So the the only way out of it is to provide that certainty. And it goes back to what I was saying about the pension system. You know, anyone looking uh, to come here as a business that would bring jobs they're going to look at your debt. They're not going to look at whether you're going to have a progressive income tax in four years. That's not what's going to attract them. Uh, and by dealing with these issues, uh, we can fund, you know, I said public education, but included in that is our universities. Right? The Tribune just reported that Illinois, it, its enrollment is down. So we're losing our students. And if the students are leaving Illinois, and if there's not students coming to the Illinois universities, then they're not going to come back to Illinois. And so we're, we're losing our, our brightest people the states all around us because of our dysfunction. Hmm. Um, are you uncomfortable with uh, the effort, uh, the and and do what's necessary uh, effort to bring Amazon's second headquarters to Illinois and most likely to the Chicago area? Yeah, I'm in favor of trying to attract business and jobs to Illinois. I become somewhat concerned when it becomes this this bidding war and everyone gets in a frenzy and then only afterwards everybody looks at what did you give up and, and what did you get? You know, for me, I remember when Boeing was going to, was looking to come to Chicago and, and it's here now. And they said, we're looking in DC, I think, and we're looking, there were three places they were looking and, and we did this dog and pony show and, and we gave up a lot to get Boeing. And I haven't seen the studies about how many jobs and, and what they brought, but they didn't bring a factory, right? They, they just brought a corporate headquarters here. So we just need to be careful to not get caught up in the frenzy of what's happening and, and make sure that we're, we're doing this methodically and rationally because Illinois, unfortunately, we, we have a history that when we make rash decisions, they always turn out to be wrong. Yeah, and a lot of the talk around all of this, the, the uh, proposal that Amazon has, talks about really thousands of, of jobs. Isn't that a little hard for people to resist, government leaders, city leaders? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to look at, at the pros and cons, right? I mean, if they're really going to bring 50,000 jobs to Illinois, right, that is, that is tremendous. And so you ha it's a scale, right? I mean, you have to look at what are you getting uh, and how do you guarantee you're going to get that versus what are you giving up? Because the other thing Illinois has a pretty bad history of is we negotiate what we think is a deal. Uh, we give tax breaks. We give things back to these companies. And then they don't deliver on it or they, they shut down stores is what Sears did. And, and we are left holding the bag saying, oh, I guess that was just another bad deal that we negotiated. So that, that's my point is you don't want to get so caught up in it 
that you give away the bank and you have no way of, of making sure that there's any accountability of what they promised to bring in. And, and so my hope is, and I know that when I'm the governor, we're going to make sure that the deals are, are solid like that. But it, just in the past, we, we've been burned too much, and the public knows that. Just quickly, with little time we have left, um, when do you think the public is going to start getting excited about not just your campaign, but the campaign in general? Some people wonder if they're going to already start to get tired of it. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's interesting. When's the public going to get excited about an Illinois governor's race? <laughs> um, to the extent that the public is going to get excited about the Illinois governor's race, I, I think you know there's some people that are very excited right now, the political people and, and the interest groups. Uh, you know, My sense is all the campaigns are picking up steam. The race is thinning out uh, amongst who the real candidates are going to be. And you know, I think with the petitions coming out, it's picking up. But after the new year is where you're going to see the public at large really get interested in this race. And that'll be the final word. That is Democratic gubernatorial hopeful Scott Drury. Thanks for spending the Thanks half hour with us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate us. it. Um, to our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website. That is cbschicago.com. Follow the audio links. You can also find our podcasts on play.it. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening until then. I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 